You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our God and Heavenly Father, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning through the preaching of your word for our good, but above all for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul continues uh, his letter to the Corinthians with the same train of thought that he had last week for us, which was the whole argument about meat sacrificed to idols and the idea of the weaker brother and the stronger brother. Not saying that in a disparaging way, but understanding that there were those who were weak or tender of conscience. And because of that, the stronger brothers who had no problem with eating meat sacrificed to idols needed to look out for and guard the conscience of the weaker brother, even if that meant from refraining from eating meat altogether. They were using their freedom that was in the Lord Jesus Christ that certainly gave them the right to eat meat sacrificed to idols, but exercising that right was actually to put an impediment to the gospel in front of the weaker brothers and sisters. And Paul now turns the conversation to his own rights, And I don't think that you need to be a Corinthian to understand what Paul is saying. Because as American citizens in the 21st century, man, we are big on rights. This week I've been counting the billboards as to how many are dedicated to lawyers who are telling you that you need to exercise your rights. You ought to be able to have what's coming to you. You deserve it. You're entitled to it. And indeed, we feel that innately in our own hearts as human beings and especially as Americans. Anyone who would stand between us and our rights ought to get mowed down. How dare you? It's a right. Not only do I want to exercise it, I have a right to exercise it. But Paul here says in 1 Corinthians that that's not actually how Christian families work that it's not marked by the exercising of rights, but your relationship with other Christians is marked by sacrifice, the willingness, not just the acquiescence, but the willingness of one to lay down their rights for the other in order that they might be able to hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, forget meat sacrificed to idols. Think about what I have done for you. I've come and I've labored, labored amongst you. And do you know how much I've asked from you? That which is due me, that which is my right in terms of compensation? Nothing. I've not asked you for a thing. But I have labored on in order. I've preached the gospel free of charge so as not to make full full use of my right in the gospel because the Corinthians were so concerned with their rights and what was coming to them that he knew full well that if he was to receive compensation from them, he would have lots of conversations that would go like this. You know, we pay your salary around here and therefore we don't want you to say what you're saying. Or, hey, we pay your salary around here, so this is what we think that you ought to do. Now, as a footnote, Paul doesn't say, therefore, ministers of the gospel should not be compensated. In fact, he says that they ought to be compensated. He quotes Deuteronomy when he says, you shall not muzzle an ox 
when it treads out the grain. Meaning, when gospel laborers are amongst you, you should take care of them. This is what the Lord Jesus said when he sent out the 72. Remember, he said, take nothing for your journey. Not an extra pair of sandals, not an extra bag of money, not a cloak. Why? Because those whom you sow the gospel among ought to be the ones taking care of you. And so in the same way, Paul says, no, gospel ministers ought to be compensated. But now I'll let you in on a little secret. I have no idea what anybody gives at the Cathedral Church of the Advent. I have no idea how much anybody gives because I know what my own heart would say. Now, that's not completely true. I know what about five people give because I found out on accident or I happen to be related to them because they live in my home. But apart from that, I don't know. And a lot of rectors will say, well, that's just crazy. And I said, well, I don't think so. Because I want in some way to be able to say what Paul is saying, that I'm relating to you as a fellow sinner redeemed by grace. Not because of what you may be doing for the church and even for the Lord, as honorable as it may be. But I want to be able to minister to you free of charge, in a sense. So that the only ground for my boasting may be the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. And Paul says, I lay all of that aside in order that I can do my job that God has called me to do without boasting. Because the gospel ministry trumps everything, even our own rights as Christians. He begins to really warm up as he's dictating this letter to a scribe, and he gets to a place where he says, I would rather die than anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. Now, actually, in the Greek, literally, it doesn't have this nice, neat, complete sentence. It literally says, for I would rather die. Well, I don't want to have anyone deprive me of my ground of boasting. He actually checks himself and gets back to the point. But he does so in a very pointed way when he says, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. He says, this is my motivation. Not that I'm getting paid or that I get anything out of it. Uh, this week in staff meetings, someone felt bad because they were talking about all of this ministry, that God, how God was using them in their life, and they said, in fact, I did this this week. And I looked at them and said, well, there's your reward. Congratulations, you've done it. Uh, because we don't do this in order to get acknowledgement. But we do it for the sake of the gospel and that the Lord Jesus Christ gets the glory. That's the motivation of Paul, and that should be the motivation of every single gospel worker in the life of the church. This is his M.O. And he uses two words here in these remaining verses that I've just read to you. And they could just as easily be translated as compulsion and conscription. He says... For necessity is laid upon me, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. He's echoing the words of the great prophet Jeremiah who said, I have something within me that is like a fire within my bones. I don't preach because you pay me, because you don't pay me. 
but I preach because I cannot keep it shut up inside of me. I must preach the gospel. Dwight Moody, when he was pastoring in Chicago, one morning on his way to church in the early hours, was cutting through a park in Chicago. And while he was cutting through the park, he stumbled upon a man passed out drunk on a bench. The man was actually wearing very nice clothes, and so Moody sat down at the end of the bench, and the man kind of opened one eye to look at Moody and shut it again. And Moody began to engage him in conversation, and he said, he said, Sir, what do you make of the Lord Jesus Christ? At that point, the man trying to sleep it off opened both eyes and leaned up a little bit, and he said, Who are you, and what business is it of yours to ask such questions? And Moody said, Well, I'm Dwight Moody. And the man said, well, I guess it is your business. As a preacher of the gospel, it is, your, it is his business and it's our business too to ask such hard and penetrating questions that are actually not hard at all because Paul says there is something like a fire within my bones. Woe be unto me if I do not preach the gospel. That's what this plaque says up here. We don't get up here and just give you encouraging advice but we hope to point you to the life-saving work and person of Jesus Christ. And woe be unto us if we do not make it so and make it plain. There is a compulsion that Paul has, and he can't help but pour out the gospel. But he also says that he's been conscripted. For I do this, if, for if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. Now, in our country, we've forgotten what it means to be conscripted. Uh, some of you are old enough to remember the draft. Now, when the draft board called your number, were you able to say, no, thank you? Or if you live in a country where mandatory conscription happens at 18 years of age, like in Israel, when you walk around and you see 18-year-olds with Uzis, nobody signed up for that. They ended up where they were because they were told, go. And so when Paul was on the road to Damascus, was he going to sign up for Christian ministry? No, quite the opposite. He was going to kidnap Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial and likely death. Paul is saying, I didn't sign up for this. I've been conscripted into the Lord's army. I'm a man under orders. I'm a man under compulsion, and I've also been conscripted. And so my job is to do my job and be a faithful laborer, to be a steward of the message that has been entrusted to me. Paul is giving his job description here as one who is under compulsion and one who has been conscripted. And woe be unto him or any gospel preacher who does not understand that position. And so if you encounter gospel preachers who are not gospel preachers at all, but are simply getting up and telling you what you want to hear, who are tickling your ears, and don't have a passion for the person and work of Jesus Christ, and to put that first and foremost in the life of their ministry, Paul would say, you're not doing what God has called you to do. Woe be unto you, for you failed to commend the hope that is within you that Jesus has laid upon you as a preacher of the gospel. 
And even though those of you this morning are probably not people who have been called to full-time gospel work, nonetheless, as a Christian, you've been conscripted into the Lord's army. And so just as it was true of Paul, it is true of me and is true of you as well. Woe be unto us as the family of the Advent if we do not preach the gospel but we consider our own rights and we begin to place impediments to the gospel in front of brothers and sisters who are of weaker conscience or those who have not heard the gospel at all. When I was uh, on a plane a couple weeks ago, there was a lady who was flying in from Chicago to visit her daughter who was down in Tuscaloosa. And she was complaining to me, because if I, she asked if I knew anybody at Aldot, uh, because she was driving from the airport in Birmingham down to Tuscaloosa. And of course, she got on the interstate and it said, I-2059 closed. And I said, and she said, but of course I didn't believe it. You know, you see those signs that say men at work, and have you ever seen a man at work? And so I continued on until I got to a point where the highway actually ended. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, there were signs that were trying to point me in the right direction, but I was completely undone trying to get from downtown over to the other side of town in order to get down to Tuscaloosa, and I was completely undone. I didn't know what to do. And that's actually literally what Paul is saying. Are we tearing up the highway of the gospel and keeping people from getting to the other side? Are we making our own rights or the issues that might be dear and near to our hearts but are secondary, if not tertiary or beyond, getting in the way of seeing Jesus Christ as who He is? Because Paul says that is my overriding compulsion. I'm captive to it. And I can't get away from it. And my prayer is that God would make the Advent a place where we're leveling mountains where we're widening highways to get people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, and that alone, is our paramount concern for the good of His people, but above all, for the great glory of His name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.